the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, Texas. That is Joe Linehan in San Antonio, Texas. We're both in Texas. That's uh, might be the last time we say that for a couple weeks. Um, Joe, what is going on? You, I didn't see you in Cowtown, so we didn't get a chance to vamp. But now we get. We've just spent an hour beforehand talking about all kinds. I of don't stuff. know what you're doing. Yeah. As far as the holiday break, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, so yeah, for go. the best. For the best so you, you uh, so you're gonna go do your little globe trotting, but mm-hmm. you know, yep. enjoy. As far as but I know. how was but how was the Cowtown tournament? Well, Cowtown was excellent. Um, well, so <laughs> it was a very very good weekend. Again, we combined with Longhorn, so we had one team that fielded as Aquatech, sixteen and unders, won the whole gosh darn thing. Fourteen and unders under Longhorn won the whole gosh darn thing. Our twelves did well. Our tens did well our 18 guys did well we didn't have an 18 girls team which was a disappointment um so from a personal coaching perspective it was a very very productive weekend um and then just in general i thought it went quite well it's like um you know you and i've talked about that place before keller is a bit it it can feel a tiny bit claustrophobic it's a little bit smaller compared to when you're you know spoiled rotten going to west side or places like that but it worked it worked. It's a little tight fit, but all things considered, especially considering you're doing like, um, you know, 10 and unders with the little floater floating goals and all that stuff, 10 and unders are kind of small. So they're not in your way so much. It was, uh, it was a very, very good weekend. Good, good. Uh, congrats. And did you play as Aquahorns or Aquatex? Aquatex 16 unders and everything else was Longhorn. Hook them. Okay. So no Aquahorns. No Aquahorns. That was only for game day. That's it. Okay. okay. We have that cheer though. Like when we have teams that are almost evenly balanced and we'll do a little Aquahorns cheer every once in a while, but nope, we did that Longhorn all uh, for, for all of them, but the one. So very, again, very good weekend. Thank you to Cowtown. Um, it was, a uh, I had a headache like crazy on Saturday, but one of the things that was good is that there were just plenty of water and plenty of chili. Although I never had any of that stuff. I just didn't, don't like eating during the day. Believe it or not, Joe. Yeah, and there's and there were a couple um like teams from Albuquerque that came from yep. from out of state and yep. uh you know and Keely does a good job of kind of running her events and the best thing about that Keller pool is the Hampton Inn that's about 100 yards away. I stayed there. And just walk. It may not even be 100 yards, maybe 50 yards. I didn't so. move my truck the entire weekend. I never do go. that. I no, like I never stay close. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. that was right. really good. So good. I'm glad that uh, congrats to all, yeah, to all the teams. Uh, yeah, some other stuff that's going on this week. We, For those that are listening, probably going to get this out on Friday. Um, we had our TX Water Polo Academy coaches clinics this week for December. Um, those, those can be found at the Southwest Zone website, southwestwaterpolo.org. So you can always go there and just click on the TX WPA uh, kind of uh, like, the, like the menu option. Um, and uh, was it a – there's – a lot of people, as far as I've gotten some questions about Dare to Dream, are is Aquahorns going to go to Dare to Dream? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Multiple teams, I think. I just want to make sure everybody knows there are three divisions for the Dare to Dream. It is 12U mixed, 12U girls, and 10U mixed. And, and the age as of date is August 1, 2021. There were some questions as far as what exactly was the age as of date. There were some people that thought there was a 14U division. There is no 14U division, and the age as of date is August 1, 2021. 
So we're hoping to get like, you know, 20 plus teams out there and playing and we're going to have three courses going. We're going to have a kind of a dedicated 10 U course going. Nice. So it's so it's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. And the local host is going to be CFWPC and Chris Ellis and his crew is going to do a great job. So um, it's going to be it. Yeah, it's I, I just love this event because it's geared towards the younger guys. It's they a, don't get that very often. No, exactly. You're going to talk to Chris Ellis, by the way, as in, in an interview. If we didn't mention that already uh, at the end of this show today, um, he's his club is the host that, as you just said, um, th- the fact that it is dedicated to these younger groups. It's almost like it's a very New Year kind of thing. I realize that Dare to Dream has sort of changed on the calendar here and there, but it's like the lead into the high school season. You know, it basically t- just tells you, look, of course we would love to have a tournament for high school players, and we will. But th- now is the time really to focus on these young guys and you can tell I'm a bit jazzed about it because we have uh, you know we have we have our numbers are growing in that area and it's so much fun to watch these guys yeah it's kind of tough to do the older kids um, in January and February because of the high school championships swim season you have districts and regions at the end of January and early February and then you have high school state in the middle of February and you also do have the ODP uh, kind of kind of tournaments going on. You got the Utah one going, mm-hmm. and then there'll be a training session. Then you got the the national championships in March. So there's lots going on. People will be starting high school. So this is just kind of like you know, it's it's that tough time frame for the for for the older kids. Yep. So. Yep. Absolutely. Um, anything else? Speaking of older kids, uh, just a very brief note about uh, Thunder took some, two other teams out to California this last weekend at the holiday cup. So that's a, you know, that's a big time tournament this time of year. Um, the, uh, high, you know, high school season, the boys high school season in California is just getting is, is just finishing really. And so, uh, God, I can't, I couldn't even count how many teams were in this tournament, but thunder did all right in that tournament, 18 new boys and 18, uh, 16 new boys. Um, so they're back in town now. I, from my understanding. And, that. and, and I, and I heard they had like what, between the two teams, they had four or five shootout games. There was a score on the score sheet. That it was yeah. twenty-eight to twenty-seven. I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah, there was. Yeah, there was one game that went to four rounds of shootout. So, for those that don't know, it's the shootout rules are: is each team gets five shooters, and um, and if it's still tied after the five shooters, then it goes to sudden death shootout mm-hmm. with the same shooter order. So, yep. whoever shot first during the first round, like they need to shoot first. They keep going through that order until you know kind of somebody uh, misses and somebody makes it right so um and i guess they went through they got to the fourth round of shootouts so there was a couple players that shot four times yeah so that doesn't happen very often i'm sure that was very exciting there's a usc um, women's national championship one year where they i think they went three rounds I'm t- I'm, I think they beat Stanford. I think that was it. It was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. And I don't particularly like shootouts. It just seems like, you know, how do you feel about those? I mean, I know that we need them. There, there, there are uh, there are reasons for them, but I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I like them. I mean, it's it's what all the professional sports are doing, and they have a lot it's more true. money, and they have surveys that tell them yes, this is do. how you need to do it. So, um, I kind of like the whole kind of the sudden death or sudden victory type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as a tournament kind of in yeah, a tournament person that, yeah, that runs a lot of tournaments. Um, yeah. That's a little bit more time. It's time. Absolutely. I mean, it's less time for just a quick little, like the first team that scores wins, but the shootout, I think the kids like it. The parents like it. Um, it sucks. Like if that's going to make you in the top eight or bottom eight or, or, or something like that, but you know, you know, just uh, 
So coaches just practice your shootouts. So no kidding. That's that was so evident over this last weekend. We we were in one shootout. We uh, we ended up falling to South Side on the eighteen hundred boys side, and uh, it was it was just clear that the teams that participated who had shootout who had you know experience. We end our practices with penalty shots, and I'll just say that it helps. Like it helps a lot, actually. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, okay, um, now do you want to move forward all the way to the summer of twenty twenty two? Yes, and a tournament that has that definitely uses shootouts is the National Junior Olympics. I forgot about that. It does. Yeah, National Junior so. Olympics. Um, we're gonna talk, uh, and when I say we, I mainly mean Joe because he's the one who knows about this stuff. Is um, you know we're. It's my, this might be like the new motto. It's like session three means Texas. So session three of the Junior Olympic Tournament this coming summer is going to be in North Texas again. I actually heard, overheard people talking at Cowtown that they were sort of unsure about that. Like it might come, it might not. So we can now assure everyone that this is going to happen, correct? Yes, the session three is going to happen. And what that is, is this past summer, for those that don't know, there was session one of JOs and session two of JOs. Um, that was normal sessions. The session one was primarily boys. The session two was primarily girls. But because of COVID restrictions, it was only California teams that could go. So we created a session three this past summer, which was all the teams from outside of California had a session three to go to. And that was hosted in North Texas um, that we used about 20 courses. Uh, we had a ton of clubs that were the local host and it and for for somehow we pulled it off and everybody kind of, kind of had a great time or most people had a great time. (laughs) And, um, so we're taking that concept in applying it for this, for the summer of 2022, it's going to be different than this past summer because if a team qualifies for session one or session two, they go to session one, session two from wherever it doesn't matter. Just like it was in 2019. Right. There you go. So, um, but then teams can, can look at everything and go, okay, well, where do we want to go? And they can just sign up directly for session three and, and skip the, like the qualifier tournament. So Um, I want to be super clear about that, Joe, because I'm in this boat as well. So there's a bit of strategizing that goes for your club. Let's just say that's in Texas, although this applies to anybody outside of the state as well, is you if you're if you are utterly sure and that you think that your families and your parents want a particular team of yours, whichever age group and all that, to go play in the California session, then you go to JO qualifiers and you qualify for that, right? And then, right. so, but if you wanted to participate in session three, do you even need to participate in qualifiers? No. So you can not choose, at all. You just simply you sign can up. choose to just sign up directly for session three okay. and not th- participate in qualifiers. I think that might be one of the most massive differences between this coming summer and last summer. Where you still had to qualify by the tournament. Yeah. So that's going to like, you know, you ask a big club and they have 10 teams that that. Yeah, that goes to J.O.'s. Well, how many of them do you really want to go out and compete it in kind of session one, session two? There might be six or seven of them. And right. well, then the other three can go to session three. There right. Yeah. So, um, and it allows people to plan and, and do stuff. Now, if a team tries to qualify for session one or session two, and they do not qualify, they will have the option to go to session three. There's a space for them allocated or, you know what I mean? I mean, it'll be depending on space, obviously, Mm -hmm. but you know, like the teams that, that kind of, kind of sign up first are going to get the first crack at it. But, 
Um, and again, this is new for this year. We're still figuring out exactly how we're going to be doing this and presenting this information to clubs and such. But I just wanted to let everybody know here in Texas that we are doing a session three. Yes. Okay. Um, we've already kind of secured the pools. We've already secured the local hosts. Um, what we need to do now is, um, yeah, is just we as in USA Water Pool need to, uh, to, to properly get the word out to everybody. And that's still, you know, that's still being worked out. Well, this is part of that effort, I suspect, right? I mean, the, the, obviously, there's stuff to un, be ironed out, but the the big beats are the things that you're sharing right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, there's still, you know, people that, you know, I mean, there's going to be no, like, if you qualify, you can't opt out ah. and then go to session three type thing. Like, oh, I don't, oh, I didn't qualify for the championship. So, oh, yes, I'm yeah, yeah. going to classic, you know, we're not going to be able to allow, like, like the opting out aspect of it. Um, there's some roster issues you don't want to like, like, like you don't necessarily, and we're, we don't, again, we don't know exactly how we're going to be going here, but you know, you don't want, you, you can't have a 16 new boys team for uh, Southwest zone, 16 new boys team compete at session one and also session three. Got it. Right. You know, um, so, you know, you can like, if you go to session one, session two, you don't play at, at like, like at session three, that's actually going to help the local host cause they'll have some manpower, to be able to help with tables and stuff like that. Right. Um, but, uh, but, but overall it's going to be, I mean, it's again, this year is going to be like, this year's going to be different than last year, but you know, the, like, like the clubs did a great job and we're coming back to Texas again and the eyes will be on Texas, you know, <laughs> and, and probably one of the best parts about session three this past summer was, you know, that championship game day, you know, um, there were like 25 or 30 college coaches just oh, yeah. sitting there watching those games. Yep. When, if you go to JOs, those coaches may be watching, you know, the California teams play mm-hmm. in the, in the metal games and stuff like that. There might be an odd team from outside of Cal, like from, from outside of California that's playing, but this was all outside of California teams and the eyes were, the eyes of the world were on Texas for that, that weekend. That's true. No doubt about and, it. And, um, and that's, and that's and plus, you know, I think and I do honestly think teams came here. They thoroughly enjoyed the experience. And uh, this year is going to be a, a little bit different, but it's, it also is going to allow the teams from in California. Yeah, to come. that was so, one of so my it's, questions. It's not yep. going to be just out of California. So so like there's 116 and under boys teams that try to qualify in the soap in the SOPAC zone. Right. Mm, for yep. the 16 new boys. Right. Well, they might only have 30, 40 slots. So now that's going to give the other 50, 60 teams. Well, do we want to do qualifier and go, or do we just want to go to, to, to session three and provide a good opportunity for our kids to play? Or if we don't qualify and there's enough room, then we can go to, to the session three. Right, right, right. So it's not just going to be just the, uh, just the out of California teams at, at, at this event. There's going to be plenty of California teams too. At least that's the hope. And I, one age group that we're still like we're still working on is twelves and tens. Do we have enough? Do we have enough teams to actually have a to, to have a to have a session three, or is that yeah. all going to just go out to California? Oh, so. interesting. That's a good. Okay, that's the, yet another piece of information that I wanted to know. I have two sort of scenarios for you that I'm curious about. So, and they obviously affect me personally. So that's that's why they come to mind. Uh, my team from Aquatex. I I at right now. I'm inclined to enter my 16 and under team in session three, but a couple things. One is, is there a chance that I would get bumped 
somehow by a team that qual that that uh, failed to qualify after going to no. Okay, no. so there's no chance of that happening. No. But and then what's the opposite? Is it so? There's a chance that if you do try to qualify via t for sessions one and two via your your zone championship, that there may not be room for you in session three. Is that a, is there a chance of that? We're still yeah, we're still trying to figure out the logistics for that. Okay. You know, like 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 you know, like so. Let's say a, a team doesn't qualify, and then they can they go to and. We're we're thinking that it's going to be their teams are going to be able to do that, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like you know, you it's going to be almost on. I mean, we're we're working. Is it going to be first come first serve? Is it yeah. going to be this one, this one? I mean, it's 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 going to be a little bit different on how we do that. So I'm just, just asking. That's that that's a piece that we're still trying to figure out. Right. This is not intended to gotcha joe this is i'm genuinely curious about this um and then the second question is simply could a team like mine i don't know compete at the zone championships um but know full well that we were going to to the to session three or is there not room for that kind of competition that'll have to be a question for the events committee okay that's uh, that's it's not a huge deal. But I'm zone events about that. by the way. Yeah, the Southwest Zone Events Committee that runs the Southwest Zone events or the other zones, right? Um, and as far as that's concerned, um, you know, whenever we first started the, we, we used to call it the Southwest Zone Championship. Right. Um, we allowed teams that weren't trying to qualify for JOS to participate, mm -hmm. but then it just got too big, so we had to say no. Only teams that are trying to qualify get to go. So. Right now, the way that the Southwest Zone qualifier is set up, this past summer we had 60 teams that were trying to go to JOs, right? And we had five courses going over three days. Oh, I remember. That was, okay. that was yeah. So, you know, if a few of those teams decide to opt out and go to session three, well, it's going to be a qualifier that might be a little bit smaller. Uh, a little bit more manageable by the local host and also might eliminate kind of some of the uh, first seed versus last seed games. Right. Yep. Which, which for those that don't, that's the blowout games. Yep. So, um, so it might create some better kind of playing opportunities and kind of more and just kind of more consistent, good quality games. So, um, you know, I would have to say that there's plenty of other tournaments to go to during the summer for teams that, choose not to go to the qualifier that you can go to. But um, that'll be a question for the Southwest Zone Events Committee. All right. Just wondering again. We covered a lot of territory here, Joe. Like, is there anything else? What else is there for, for session three that we might not have shared so far? July 28th through July 31st. July 23rd. Okay. Um, and uh, again, generally speaking, the same facilities as last last year. Um, yes. Yeah. Plus, okay. plus or minus a, a couple of facilities. Sure. So. Okay. Um, oh, I'm, I, I'm actually, I can't wait to hear more about twelves and tens or if that's going to work, you know, because, uh, I don't know. It's a, a topic for discussion for my families and my coaches and such about the kids that are that young going out to California. Um, so yeah, if they could, I think they might want to do that, but boy, it's tempting to just stay up in North Texas that we're so familiar with. At least we have some really, really good options. That's what's the best, the best news of all, I think. And all this information is going to be sent out, packaged and sent out to all the clubs. And then it'll be sent out to all the athletes, parents and stuff like that here in January. Right. So. 
There you go. You have no excuse for saying that you don't know what's going on. We've just informed you. Okay. Um, we shall come back with Joe's conversation with Chris Ellis. The Is he the head coach at SciFair Water Polo Club? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah, head coach and a high school coach as well. And uh, we'll come back with that in a moment. And then we'll come back and say goodbye. All of TX Water Polo is brought to you advertising free. And we'd like to keep it that way. So we're asking for your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can keep covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. This is Max Irving from the U.S. Men's Senior National Team. And to get all things Texas water polo, I'm listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Well, today we have Chris Ellis from CFWPC for the for the interview portion of the TX Water Polo Podcast. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Joe? Thanks for having me on. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris is the head coach for the CFWPC club, which is in Northwest Houston, practice out of CFISD and auditorium. Um, he's been coaching there for a long time. He's coached with by provision before he's been around a long time. He also coaches with like, like during the high school season and he's been, Oh, and he's been a referee. So we all wear many hats, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. Um, so Chris, how's the club doing this fall winter? Uh, we're doing really well, actually. So, we now we just added a second practice location um, for just our like middle school athletes. So that's really exciting. Um, and this is the slow time of the year. So normally we're like years past, we've had like five, 10 kids at a practice before, like that was the normal. Um, so we're normally having like 25, 30 kids every practice. So yeah, good numbers. Is, yeah, is that for the young, is that for the young kids? Uh, that's for like high schoolers and the young kids, but our young kids, we have at least eight to 10 every practice. So I mean, up from one or two. So it's probably a different eight to 10 each practice, like, you know, a different group. Type of, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, but it, but it's definitely one of those things where these, these are the dog days between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sometimes people like forget about stuff, you know, like, oh, like yeah. water ball practice sometimes. So I'm glad that I'm glad that your numbers are up. I'm glad that I'm glad the club's going in, in, in the right direction and keep with the younger kids. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's all about the, uh, like, like the 12 and unders and the 10 and unders and talking about that, you know, last year you and your club were the local host for the USA water pool dare to dream tournament in January over the MLK weekend. Um, you're yeah. And your club is going to host again this January. Okay. Um, are, I assume you're going to try to have some teams, right? Yeah. We're going to have hopefully at least a 12 U mixed. So. And yeah. we're really shooting for a 10U, but at least a 12U mix. So that'll and be. Those, and for those that don't know, the Dare, like the Dare Dream is an event that focuses on the 12U and 10U kids. We'll have three divisions this year. We'll have 12U mixed, 12U girls, and 10U mixed. So um, the more the merrier, right? So like, and we're going to have three courses because we figured out how to do three courses for the Southwest Zone Quals this past summer, right? And um, we're going to have a, a ten, like kind of a like a 10U course that's always there. And then we'll have two other courses for the 12U divisions. Um, 
in the COVID kind of dare to dream, we didn't have a whole, like we probably had what about 15 teams there. We're hoping to get back up to 25 to 30 teams this year. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be kind of a lot of fun. Chris Jones does a great job there. And I mean, it's, but there's a big challenge to hosting and coaching kind of, kind of, kind of go over that kind of a little bit. Um, It's, you really just have to be ready for a long weekend and getting called for the most random things, whether there's problem in hospitality, problem with the ticket sales, or there's kids doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. You're just constantly putting out fires all day. And then on top of that, keeping track of the schedule and coaching. So, well, the good thing, yeah, go ahead. It just just gets, gets hectic, but the days go by fast with so much going on, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where if you go to a tournament, it's nice because you don't have to, to worry about, you know, running the tables. It might go a little slower. If you're running a tournament, it goes really fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, what, four o'clock in the afternoon? I thought it was just eight o'clock. So, um, but no, but I mean, again, thank you and your group there at CFWPC for uh, kind of being the local host for Dare to Dream. I mean, and hey, you guys did a great job also with the Southwest Zone Quals this past summer. I mean, that was our largest Southwest Zone Quals. We had five courses going. I mean, kind of uh, elaborate on some of the challenges that 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 you guys had there with the five courses and doing uh, and doing that event. Uh, just table work. Like, really, the hardest part of Quals is table workers, especially when it's three days like that, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, just gets to be really hectic. And then when you constantly have kids in and out of the water, having someone at the tables who can keep the clock at least running somewhat like it should. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh, that gets to be the struggle. Um, but, hey, you know, we made it through. Um, hey, hey, for those people that do events, having good table work and at least having a schedule or a plan for it is key to having a, a successful tournament. And, and, again, the CFWPC people did a great job. Hey, but, hey, the South of Zone Quals has gotten a, l- a little bit better since, la- since, uh, since you played in it, right? Oh, yeah. Like night and day since back in 2012. <laughs> Has it been that long? Yeah, I know. I feel old. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. We'll talk about that at a different, uh, like, at, at, at a different time. But um, now just talk, yeah, just talking about quals and stuff like this. Um, this past summer, we're, there was also the JO session three. Um, our, on the podcast this week, we talked a lot about kind of how how session three was a success this past summer, and we're going to be doing the JO session three again in the summer of 2022. What did your club and team and coaches and athletes, parents think about the JO session three this past summer? So selfishly, we loved it. Um, it helps that it was here in Texas, so it just made it a lot more financially viable for a lot of families to make teams. So we were able to take six teams out this summer. And in years past, that probably would have been three teams going to California. Um, but we loved being able to like take a van, have all the kids ride up together. Everybody's parents went, it was just really smooth, really convenient. Sure. We didn't get to go to the beach every day. That was a bummer, but everyone played and there was just so many opportunities. So I personally loved the North Texas JOs. Well, you do know if we continue session three, it's going to be in Houston at some point too, right? 
even better. I can sleep in my own bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good and bad sometimes. But so, so now for for you know for this upcoming summer of twenty two, teams are going to get to qualify for the session one and like like and session two. That that's much different than what this past summer was. Um, I'm sure you've had some talks with your coaches, your parents, and stuff like this. So, how are you starting to think about and approaching this uh, summer? Um, so we're trying to really sell like our newer kids on going to session three. Um, cause we know there's going to be less spots available. So it's probably going to be a little tougher to get, get out to the session one and session two. Um, so for our newer kids, we're really trying to sell, like come to JO's, have a lot of fun. It's in Dallas, have your parents come out, um, just make it more accessible. And then our more experienced kids, we're really like pushing them like this is why you need to come to practice throughout the year. So we're not scrambling once we get to May to try and qualify to be able to go to California because all the kids that have been to California miss it. And they're like, so now they have that kind of carrot to chase after the right, although it doesn't a little harder. Although it doesn't seem like a long time ago, the last time that we had a full-fledged JOs was the summer of 2019. That's that seems that doesn't seem a long time ago, but that was a long time ago. Oh, that three years, right? Yeah, well, like, going into this year, yeah. That was what in Northern California, right? So, um, it's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it is, it is, it's 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 going to be eventually. It's it, for session one and, and yeah, and, and session two, we'll be back in Southern California in the summer of twenty twenty three. So it's just, it's one of those things where people are going to have like what a four or five year span, but yeah, between Southern California JOs. Yeah. Because you mentioned the beach earlier, right? So kids, yeah, kids, yeah, kids love going to the beach. So, you know, but, uh, but all right. So now you are going to go out to California here in March for the ODP national championships. You've been on the ODP staff the last couple of years. You are currently, I believe the uh, Southwest zone girls uh, cadet. Um, head coach um yep and uh this past odp season it was slightly different on how the camps were done and you're still in the middle of it right now um tell us a little kind of kind of a little bit then the way that it was the camps were done a little bit earlier then you had a training session so thoughts on the new format for the southwest zone i really liked it um especially adding that training session in or adding it back in we used to be able to do it um, adding that back in really, I think is going to be super beneficial whenever we go out to Utah and then in March, go out to California. Um, cause in years past, it was basically come to a camp, evaluate a kid, throw you on a team and then see what you can do once we get out to the tournament. Um, so this, it was nice to be able to have the practice session, put the kids in different spots and kind of see how they gel together, see what the teams would look like. So I liked it. Good. Are you looking forward to the trip to Utah? Minus the cold? Absolutely. Minus I, the, you're just going to be going from heater from a car to pool. It's not like you're playing outdoors. That 45 seconds in the parking lot, though, is, <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst part of the day. Hey, and, and you're a little happy. I, please, please admit, you're a little happy that you don't necessarily have to watch kids and drive them around, right? 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's probably the best change if I had to selfishly say. Okay. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, and, and that tournament is at Kearns again. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a great tournament. Um, and then, and then you'll go to the national championships in March. Um, and how's your girls team or your girls group kind of looking for this year? Uh, they look really strong. I'm really excited about the team we have this year. We have good goalies, good goalkeepers, a couple good centers, a lot of good drivers and shooters. So should be, we should finish pretty high. I'm excited for what the girls can do. Okay, well, good. Now, I mean, we we already talked about, you know, kind of like the, you're the head coach for CFWPC, the ODP coaching, you've refereed, you've uh, like, like you help with St. Agnes. So, I mean, we all wear, we all wear many hats, right? Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, just going from refing to coaching and then, you know, sometimes going from coaching to refing challenges sometimes to, like, you know, kind of, kind of the insights that you had, that you may have as a coach after uh, learning how to referee just kind of yeah, just kind of talk about that a little bit um so one of the toughest things uh so going from coaching and refing and back you have to like watch the game in a different way uh so a lot of the times especially at the beginning of like high school season uh when i've been coaching for the whole year when you're watching the game you're kind of like more watching what kids should be doing like oh why aren't you driving why aren't you coming back and helping on center or why aren't you why isn't he fronting you know um and then when you're refing you really should just be like watching and reacting to what's happening like yeah you have to anticipate calls but more i'm more i can still feel in my brain i'm like oh why isn't this kid going and then by the time i get through the year and we get closer to like districts regionals that stuff your mind's right, like more ready and you're back to a ref mindset where you're just watching. Um, but the refing also really kind of helps the coaching at the end of the year. I think um, just being able to, after high school season, seeing what a lot of kids struggled with, like whether it's perimeter defense or man, they really weren't good at making moves and set once the ball came in. Uh, it really helps me be able to create like a practice plan for the summer and, what the kids need to work on and improve on and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different way to kind of look at the game as a referee or coach. I know whenever I referee, I can't help, but then like, just kind of, I always will be looking at it from a coach perspective because that's what I've done most of the time. And in the back of my head, I'm like, like, yeah, like you said, why is this kid not getting back on defense? Why, why, (laughs) why is the little guy guarding the big guy, you know, or why is the coach not calling a timeout right now? You know stuff like that. I, that yeah that yeah that type of stuff definitely kind of kind of goes through my head. But um but no I mean as a as a young coach, um I remember a coach telling me go to some roughing clinics, and I did, and I think that's and I do I do firmly believe that has helped me in the long run become a much better coach because now I because now I because because now you know what the referee from the referee perspective. And that can help you kind of teach your athletes kind of a little bit better, right? Oh, absolutely. The not only the refing classes, not only, but also reading the rule book. Like parents, any anybody who has some free time, kids too. Uh, that's honestly where I got like the best understanding 
every year I read the rule book at least twice. Um, cause you forget some things and some rules are different like that. Taught, we talked about wearing different hats earlier, going from high school to USA, everything's different. But if you read the rule book, it makes everything make a lot more sense. So any parents out there listening, read the rule book. I said, it'll just help out a lot with your understanding of the game. Yeah. So there was a parent that, yeah, there was this, and I've done this a few different times where a parent has been a little bit, a bit of vocal from the stands and I go, okay, here, why don't you go to this referee clinic? And then they learn a little bit and then they shut up and that- <laughs> because they didn't know what they didn't know. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then they realize, and then I go, okay, good. Now talk to all, all the other parents that are upset. Yeah. That are upset up there. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, but no, man. Like, like another side benefit is once you uh, once you kind of learn how to referee, you can argue with the referees a, a little bit better, right? Yeah, I love being able to drop technical terms. Yeah, drop. Yeah, like the like, yeah, like you drop the technical terms, or you explain the rule to them. Um, yeah. nicely, of course, right? Yeah, nicely, of course, but um, but but only thing, nicely. But the biggest thing that I always tell young coaches is. You know, you may not have to agree with what the referee said, but you have to understand why the referee made that call. So you can then properly teach your athlete, right? Because there's too many coaches out there that will yell and scream at the referee for a call, right? And um, and that – and, like, the kid will just respond and go, no, but, like, you, like, you got kicked out because you were in bad position and your hands were down. But then you go talk to the referee going, hey, did you actually see them pull the guy back? Because he didn't do anything. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things where I just firmly believe it's, it's, it's always good to know and have an understanding of why the coach or why the referee made the calls just so you can help the kid get, yeah, get better. Um, and that's, and that's we, can, we can talk about this for ages. Uh, <laughs> but Chris, uh, thank you so much for doing like, you know, like the interview. Um, have, have a good holiday. Um, I'm sure I'll be in touch because we're, because I'll be on the pool deck for the dare to dream. Um, yeah, just, yeah, just thanks again, Chris. No problem. Thanks for having me on. That was Joe's conversation with Chris Ellis, head coach of the CFWPC. I still want to call it Sci-Fair. Like I know as it's written, it's CFWPC, but it's just, uh, I don't like when you say sci fair, you just sort of know exactly what you're talking about, right? Exactly. And people know that. I mean, and technically, the, Cy- the CFWPC stands for the Cypress Fairbanks Water Polo Club. But, uh, and I think that's what the actual club is incorporated as. Mm-hmm. But in USA Water Polo, they're listed as CFWPC. Got so. it. Understood. All right. That was his conversation. And we're done, Joe, unless you have anything else. Next week is going to be our end of season. Um, podcast or the end of year podcast, right? It's our blockbuster. It's when we talk about stuff that doesn't have anything to do with water polo, which is perfect. End of season. We will still, we will still talk a little bit about water. Polo. Of course, just a little bit, you know. But that, but other things like best movies of the year, maybe worst movies of the year. That'd be funny. Eighties movies. I've started walk, uh, uh, um, you know, watching movies with my daughter. Eighties uh, movies, which is hilarious. Um, and and all of that. So yeah, we'll we'll go over those things, including a recap of the top stories from 2021. All right. Well, James, I'll talk to you next week. 
Very good. Um, thank you very much, Joe. Thanks all of you for listening, telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast and uh, the Total Water Polo Podcast. Hey, keep an eye open for uh, – I'm going to have a conversation with NCA champion uh, men's head coach Kirk Everest from University of California, Berkeley. Um, we should be talking to him tomorrow, so keep an eye open for that podcast. Um, and then if you want to support us overall, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give. Got a really generous gift from somebody who prefers not to be known and I'm uh, very very grateful for that so thank you very much for that Um, we thanks uh, and and then also for everybody else who's done that and with that until next week so long from Austin This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.